minutes ago, I didn't think I was going to continue from last week, but uh, I just there were some things that uh, I couldn't get away from, and so uh, I just kept praying about it, and so I just felt like, well, there's more to uh, that the Lord wanted me to share, and so I'm going to share some more. Uh, you know, it's a slightly different, but yet still kind of dovetailing off of last week. Um, you know, last week we were talking about uh, really the word selah and really, uh, really kind of what it means a little bit, but also practically, how do you do that? And I was talking about actually kind of um, calling a timeout. Like there's times in life where, uh, you know, even as we've been talking on the weekends uh, about the armor of God, realizing that we're in a fight, you know, one of the things about any good general is he knows the morale of his men, and he realizes, like, hey, you've got to pull back. And they will say, hey, we need to get another, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, another pl- platoon to come and relieve these guys of their duty. Why? Because they've been sitting on the front lines fighting for a long time. And uh, we need to get them some support. And we need to let them come back and rest. And, you know, and so I was sharing with you the idea and the thought of sometimes in life, we've got to call a timeout too. And it's a priority. And so some of the ways that you can do that is through prayer, you know, breaking your routine. And, uh, you know, and so. Uh, you know, and so we were talking about that, uh, just about that whole idea of really, you know, and, and even to the point of where I share with you about enjoying God and enjoying others and then laughing more. You know, laughter does good like a medicine is what uh, Proverbs tells us. And sometimes, you know, it does, you know, let me say this is that as a believer, our happiness should not be determined by our circumstances. Why? Because, and I'm going to share some things with you tonight along this line. But, you know, because we have real joy. We have real joy. Not fleeting joy, not temporal joy. We have real eternal joy. And that will sustain us. And the enemy would, you know, I mean, uh, Nehemiah wrote, and he made the statement to the children of Israel. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so, you know, many times we can look and, and look and... If I asked, every one of us could raise our hands and say, yeah, there's been times that my spiritual life has gotten dull. Okay, well, what do you do to get out of a rut? You know, there's a uh, a definition that I remember about a rut that just says it's an open-ended grave. But it's still a grave. And it's a rut. You're stuck. What do you do to kind of break out of that rut? And spiritually, there are ruts. You can get into, uh, let me say it this way, we get into more of the form than the function of why. And so, you know, we're doing our devotion, we're worshiping, we're coming to church and all those kinds of things, but there is no freshness of life happening. And so we're just kind of going through the motions. And it's, you know, Jesus didn't die for us to go through the motions. He came to give us life and to give us life abundantly to the full, over the top, exceedingly more than we need. But yet God says, I'm still going to give you more than you need. That's the life that God came to give us. And so, uh, you know, so I, last week I was sharing with you, and, and really tonight I want to share more about uh, kind of the section, I guess that first part, which is about enjoying God and uh, really uh, focusing on that. But I, I just want to share some thoughts with you and some things about it. But one of the things that I believe uh, in the way I would say is about enjoying God is taking a deep breath of His life. You know, the Bible says that there's a river that flows out of the throne room of God, and it's called the river of life. It's not the river of death. It's not the river of sorrow. It's not the river of consequence. It's not the river of all the... It's the river of life that is flowing to us and for us. You know, and so... But, you know, and even as... uh, And we'll look at some things here. Well, let me just keep going. But... uh, And it, it is here for us. And it's not difficult and it's not hard. And sometimes it's as simple as asking. 
Lord, I need a fresh breath right now. You know, and it doesn't have to be super spiritual. It's just, Lord, I feel that I'm dry. I sense that I'm dry. I feel stale. You know, I mean, that was one of the things about when God rained down manna. What was it? It wasn't just bread to eat for days. God says, no, you've got to go get bread every day. That bread will only be good for that day. And there's even a spiritual principle at work there is that what was good for you last week will not feed you today. Not in a spiritual sense. Why? Because there's supposed to be a continual reviving. And and if you will, I mean, you know, the meal that you ate last Wednesday is not still feeding you today. I hope you ate something today. Why? Because your body needs nourishment. Well, your spirit, man, the actual more real part of you needs to be fed too. And and we have to be mindful of these things. And part of it is that even as, um, you know, just things get busy. We get busy with work. We get busy with family. We get busy with church. We get busy with all these things. And then we forget the very source of life. And what's supposed to be the strength of our life is the very presence of God. You know, we're not designed to do life by in and of ourselves. I mean, from the very beginning, God breathed into Adam. Without that breath, Adam did not live. He was a, let me say it this way. He was a corpse without the breath of God. And only when God breathed in him, which that's in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. We looked at it last week. He said that God breathed the breath of life. The breath of life. You know, uh, there, I forgot how many times it is that the word spirit is used throughout the the word spirit, where it's talking about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. But it, it has, there's two words. There's a Hebrew word and a Greek word, and they both mean the same thing, breath. So you could say it like even at the very beginning when it says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the Spirit of God hovered over. You could actually say it this way, the breath of God hovered. Here's another, just another thought for you. You know, we're spirit-filled People, We believe in a spirit-filled life. We believe the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Well, you could also say it this way, is that we are breath-filled people. Now, I know that's a different way to say it, but you kind of understand. In other words, let me say it this way, is that we live by the breath of God. But we have to take that in. And so, you know, I just wanted to take a moment, and I'm going to pray right here, because I'm going to model for you how easy this is. Because it doesn't have to be difficult. But I want you, I'm going to pray it over you, but I want you to listen to what I say as well. Because this is how I would pray over myself. Because everybody has moments where, not intentionally, but just the way life comes. And then we may back off or pull away. Or we just have fallen into such a routine that the life has been removed out of it. You know, I mean, that can happen in all segments of life. But so I want to pray over you and then we're going to continue on in the message. But Father God, I would just thank you right now. Father, I thank you, Father, that you are the breath of life for us and to us. Father, that you said that we should not live by bread alone, but Father, by every word, by every breath of the Spirit of God. So Father, we just ask you right now. To come in and blow in our hearts, Father, that breath, that living breath, that refreshing air that comes only from you. Father, that you are the one who sustains our life. You're the one who fills us up to overflowing. So, Father, we thank you right now. 
That Holy Spirit, that even as we're here together in these next few minutes, I thank you that you are breathing into our hearts, breathing into our lives. That breath that comes from the throne room of God that restores and strengthens and builds us up. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you for it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's all you have to do. And then you can worship. Or you can pray. Or sometimes you can just sit there quietly. I mean, I've shared with you, sometimes I take what I call Holy Spirit naps. But my nap is preceded with a prayer. And I don't even actually, sometimes, many times I don't even go to sleep. I'll just close my eyes and just get quiet. And I'll just sit there. And it's amazing how refreshed I can be in just maybe, maybe even five minutes. Where I'm exhausted or tired or whatever's going on or just stressed out. And it's amazing how even in my physical body, I can just tell my stress levels just begin to dissipate. Why? Because I've asked for God to move in my heart. I've invited him in and I say, okay, now I'm going to give you the time to do that. You know, sometimes I understand we pray on the go. Lord, fill me as I go. That's great. And he will. But it's better to stop. It's better to do what the psalmist said. Have a divine interruption. I mean, I've had it happen where God, where I've said, God bless me as I go. And he stopped me in my tracks. And says, what I need to do can't be done on the go. And I was perfectly okay with that. And God has done amazing things in my heart. Just in a, I mean, I'll say this. Is that God has done more. Well, at least I'll say this. God has done equally as much in my heart outside of a church service, personally going about my life and taking moments like what I call those Holy Spirit naps. <laughs> you know, I don't know how else to say it, but that, that moment where I'm making a priority of resting in the presence of God just for a moment. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a big napper. I know some people like to nap for two and three hours. That's not a nap. That is sleep. And uh, a nap is like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. But my wife does not agree with me. But, you know, it's like goodness, you know. But, uh, you know, I mean, I could sleep three hours at night and get up and uh, feel pretty good. And uh, but anyhow, so, uh, you know, one of the things that I shared with you last week, and I want to say this again, uh, is that one of the, and this is just good wisdom. It's something that I've used many times is one of the things that I have seen happen in my life is that it, many times when big decisions come, not always, but I've seen it happen multiple times, when they're facing like a really big decision in life, many times I'm not where I should be spiritually to make that decision. And so what I do is I say, okay, I can't make that decision right now. I need to get where I need to be spiritually so that I can make a, a decision based off the wisdom and the Spirit of God, not off of me. And so here's here's... The, the statement, if you will, is never make a, a big decision from a place of low spirituality. Never make a big decision from a place of low spirituality. When your spiritual tanks are low, that is not the time to start making decisions. Because why? Because when our spiritual tank is low, and especially when we're physically tired, that compounds it even more. 
You're going to make an emotional decision. You're going to make a decision based off of maybe your own thoughts and not really with clarity. And so, you know, part of it is learning to rest before, you know, and that's part of this. uh, And trusting God in that moment is, man, I'm not trying to make God do something. But what I am doing is I'm trusting him to speak to me and for me. And so, uh, you know, you always want to make sure that you're spiritually where you need to be. And that's going to take a divine interruption. That's going to take, uh, you know, kind of breaking uh, the monotony, breaking the doldrums some people would call them, uh, you know, getting out of your rut to say, okay, now I'm in a place to actually start to make a decision um, because my heart's better, you know. Um, you ever made a decision when you were physically sick and you just felt terrible and then later on you're like, why did I make that decision? Like I would never make that decision. But because your head was pounding and your sinuses were going crazy and, you know, you're like, just give me a pillow in a dark room and a blanket and leave me alone. And you made a decision that you would never normally make. But because circumstances were going on, you made a decision you wouldn't make. The same thing is true spiritually for us. And so I just want to encourage you with that. I, um, you know, here a few minutes ago, I quoted this, but it's in Genesis 2-7. It was talking about that uh, when God made Adam, that he had formed him from the dust of the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And Adam became a living being. Now, I want to give you a New Testament um, Parallel, I guess you could say, uh, of that same verse. But um, here, it's here in John 6, verse 63. Jesus talking... In, oh wait, I'm in the wrong translation. Let me flip over here. So it matches the screen. John six sixty three. Jesus saying, and he goes on and he says, that the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. All of our work, all of our energy, all of our efforts will accomplish nothing. That's a little discouraging to me, I've got to be honest. I mean, I'm a let's get it done kind of person, you know. But here it says, this, other places say it this way, is that the Spirit alone gives life. And all of my effort, even in good things, will accomplish nothing for what God wants to do in my life. He goes on and he says, The very words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life to us. So Jesus says, look, it's the spirit, the the spirit of God, the breath of God. You could say it that way. The breath of God gives life. Gives eternal life. He says in the words that I have spoken. They are spirit. They are breath. And they are life. That's what he's saying. Is it the words. The the very things I've said to you. The Holy Spirit can come and speak. But he's not just speaking words. What he's doing when he comes. And and, and, and really the word of God comes. What it, it brings about revelation. And it brings about wisdom. Well that's the breath of God. That's, that's the Holy Spirit breathing upon us. That word in the Greek is actually the word pneuma. It's P-N-E-U-M-A. Pneuma. Is, I know it doesn't sound anything like it's spelled. But uh, P-N-E-U-M-A. And it means a sense of force and active or a living energy that blows in and brings life. You know, we're right now waiting for what to come in? A tropical storm, right? Well, how do we know that a storm is coming? Does the wind start blowing before the storm comes? Most of the time. 
Most of the time, yes. You hear, you can see the wind, you can hear, you know, you can see the effects of it, you can hear it, you see all these types of things, and then the rain comes, you know, sometimes it's coming like this, and then you know, oh, it's really, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. Well, that's an active, and there's energy to it. You know, I mean, the same wind that we use to fly kites and to use to do all kinds of things is the same wind that can come and be destructive. You know, and, and here it gives us the idea that the Spirit of God is the breath of God and that it, it comes and that it's full and it's active. It's living power to us, the breath of God. And so, you know, one of the things that we have to know, and, and this is just a, it's a, just a clear way for us to understand it, is this, is that we aren't, we aren't physical beings having temporary spiritual experiences. We're not just physical beings that have a moment with God. No, it's the opposite of that. We are spirit beings having temporary physical experiences. Because the real part of you, your spirit man, is the eternal part of you. This body, the Bible says, will be swallowed up with full life. I mean, even if we don't, you know, even if Jesus came back in our lifetime... We may not die, but we will get a new body. I love how, um, how it's written. It says that the mortal will be swallowed up in immortality in a moment. The fullness of the life of God would come into us. And so we have to understand that we are spiritual beings first. If you're going to take care of one part of your being, your spirit man is the most important part. We ought to take care of our physical bodies. We ought to take care of our minds. We ought to take care of those types of things. Sure. Your spirit man is number one because it's the most important. It has the most priority. Why? Because if your spirit man is right, your life will be right. It doesn't matter if you look like a Greek goddess and your spiritual life is out of whack. Nothing will be right. Doesn't matter because your spirit is not in the right place. And so we have to understand and remind ourselves is that we cannot... I mean, exactly what it says here is that human effort accomplishes nothing. We cannot survive living for God from merely an intellectual level. This cannot be just, well, I understand what the Bible says and I'm just going to be a good person. I'm going to do these types of things. No, that's a corpse that needs the breath of God to blow to bring life. That energy, that force that we were talking about just a, a moment ago with that word pneuma there, is, is, and that's the word for spirit in the New Testament. The breath of God. We've got to have a fresh breath that only God can bring through the Holy Spirit. We cannot just be in a mental state of, well, I, you know, behavior modification. Jesus didn't die for behavior modification. He died for transformation. And there's a big difference between modification and transformation. Modify is like slight upgrade. A little bit better. Transformation is something completely different, completely new. It's a total overhaul, complete. That's the way that... God wants to move in our lives. But we have to many times make a priority and hit the pause button. 
You know, I gave, I gave you the example last week of, uh, you know, whether you're listening to the radio and, you know, and it's like, you know, boop, boop. This is the whatever, testing the emergency broadcasting deal. We've interrupted your radio station and your favorite song to make sure this thing's working. Or you're watching TV and they come in and they're like, we interrupt your regularly scheduled broadcast because there's something happening in the world that you need to know about and you don't really care about it, but they interrupted your favorite show and now you're mad, you know. Because you missed the end of your show and they took up way too long talking about that or whatever it may be. It's an interruption. It is. It's an interruption. And sometimes we have to realize, and I believe the Holy Spirit will even prompt us and say, Hey, you need to call a time out. You need to make a priority because your heart is becoming stale. You know, I don't know how many of you are um, like me. I'm not as much a sugar person, but I do love salt. And so, you know, I mean... I mean, I like sugar and stuff. I, you know, I just don't eat as much of it. But, you know, you give me a bag of cookies, they might last for six months. Like, I'm not kidding. I mean, my cookies will go stale before I eat them. Yep. A bag of chips, on the other hand, they're going to do good to make it through the day sometimes. It's just dependent on how much opportunity I have. And uh, But one of my pet peeves, one of my pet peeves, because I love, I mean, I love chips, I love crackers, you know, I mean, just anything salty. I just, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter. But all those things. But one of my pet peeves, though, is for somebody, anybody for that matter, is to, like, especially, like, I like oyster crackers. Y'all know what oyster crackers are? Them little round crackers, little soup cracker things. I love them things. I put them in chili and cheese and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And if you hadn't eaten it, haven't eaten dinner yet, you're welcome right now. And, uh, but... One of my pet peeves, though, is to go get some, you know, and I sit down, I got my meal already, I'm sitting down, I'm like, yes, it's going to be so good. And I get one of them nasty, stale crackers. Gah! The ecstasy of the previous second has now been ruined because of the staleness of that cracker. Or you get some chips and salsa. You're all excited. And then you get this chip that's just nasty. It's just disgusting. It's like, who left the chips open? Who did not take their responsibility seriously that they had a responsibility to close the chips up? My crackers are ruined. Now, y'all think I'm joking. I'm actually halfway serious. And uh, I'm just saying, I mean, because somebody has ruined my chips. Somebody has ruined my crackers. I don't like stale stuff. I just don't. Why? On the package, it says, eat by so-and-so for freshness. It's better when it's fresh. Right? I mean, I eat warm banana pudding. Why? Because it's fresh. I don't want to wait for it to cool down. Why? Uh, Well... That's the way my mom made it, and that's the way I've grown up eating it. So I like it warmed, personally. I think it's better. But, but stale stuff doesn't isn't good. It's lost flavor. It you know when I eat a chip, I want it to crack. I want it. I want it to have some snap to it. Don't bring me something that's all nasty. You know, our, we can become stale too spiritually. I mean, if you don't believe me, there's a church in the Revelations that Jesus said, hey, you're not hot nor you're cold. You are stale. 
And what did he say? I will spew you out. Kind of like I want to spew them crackers out. I mean, he didn't say they were stale, but that is what he was saying. And we, even as believers, can become stale. Well, what do you do? How do you get back with some freshness in your life? It's going to require the breath of God. It's going to require the Holy Spirit breathing in your heart. But you're going to have to, let me say it this way, God will not, I mean, God's not going to force you to do anything. He's not going to. You can know what to do. The Holy Spirit can be talking to you about it. It can be prompting you about it. But he ain't going to force you to do anything. I mean, you could be sitting on the couch thinking, not really happy with where I'm at. There's some things I'm not real thrilled with right now. I know that spiritually that I'm stale. And the Holy Spirit might prompt you. Why don't you go read the Word? Why don't you go just get outside, turn the TV off? Nah. I'd just rather stay stale. See if there's anything else on TV. Well, it's not God's desire for you to stay stale. I mean, the Holy Spirit is prompting you. Why? Because He doesn't want you to be stale. He wants you to have a freshness of life. But you've got to make a decision. I've got to make a decision. I've got to make it a priority. I've got to interrupt this regularly scheduled life. So that I can have that freshness and that newness of, the, of God work in my life. And the same thing is true for you. And so it can't just be, you know, because we can reduce, let me say it this way. And I mean this in the best possible way. We can reduce spirituality to intellectuality. What's the first word of spirituality? Spirit. Breath. Life. It is not mental. Now, we have some understanding, but let me say this. You can know what the Bible says, but not have revelation of what that even means. What's the difference? The breath of God upon the information. That's when it becomes revelation. So information alone, intellect alone is not enough. We've got to have the breath of God and making a priority of allowing and giving God access to breathe upon our spirits. And yes, there's multiple different ways. Part of that is, like tonight, it's one of the reasons we come to church. Yep. It's one of the reasons that we have a devotional life. It's one of the reasons that we set time aside to seek the Lord. You know, I, I, I haven't said it as much here lately, but I say it a lot, you know, in the past I've said it a lot, is that I want to create space for God Amen. in my life. I want to carve out some time for Him and make sure that, you know, and sometimes I've got to break up the routine. If you've been doing the same devotional for 10 years, you might need some change. I'm just going to say. If you've been reading the same Bible for 10 years, you might need a new Bible. Get a different translation. Why? Just so that it it's, you see things differently, you grab hold of things differently. Sometimes, and for some of you, you could go by the exact same Bible that you have right now. But you've marked that joker up so much, you read your notes more than you need read the words of the Bible. Because you're a note taker, you know. I mean, my mom's got Bibles like that. I steal them from her and I tell her she's got to go get a new one. That way I get all of her notes. I get them pre-marked and pre-broke in, you know. It's kind of nice. And um, I've got one of her amplified Bibles. That thing's like falling apart and I told her it was terrible. I said, Mom, you need to get a new Bible. I'm going to go ahead and take this one from you, though. appreciate it. It's probably got 20 years of notes in it. And, uh, you know, but even things like that. Don't just read the same thing over and over and over and over and just do this. Change it up. 
Why? Because especially if you're in a stale place, you know, let me say it this way. You are perfectly suited to get the results that you are currently getting. So if you want something to change, you got to change. So, if you're devotional, I just use this as an example. Like, well, you know, I read through the New Testament. I just read through the epistles. That's all I read. Okay, that's good. Maybe you might need to switch over to read the Gospels. Maybe you need to go switch and read Proverbs or Psalms or read through the Old Testament. You're like, ah, that's Old Testament. It's all done and gone. There's a lot of secrets hidden in that Old Testament that's old and gone that are hidden for us this side of the cross. It's not antiquated and outdated. There's a lot of wisdom hidden for us in the Old Testament. But sometimes we're going to have to break the routine. We're going to break the norm so that we can get some fresh things going in our lives. You know, um, in John 15, 4, we're not going to read the full passage. I'm just going to read you this one verse. But this chapter and much of it is... Jesus is talking about the importance of our connection to Him. But here in verse 4, Jesus says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Now, we understand what He's saying here. And this goes back to, hey, the Spirit gives life, but... Apart from the Spirit, you can do nothing. Jesus is kind of echoing that same thought here. Again, he says, look, but he takes it a step further and says, you can't even be fruitful. If you want to be fruitful for God, there has to be that fresh air, that fresh breath blowing in your life. Now, I want to give you a natural example of this is that um, we can't survive spiritually any more than a branch can that's been cut away from a tree. Now, you know, I'm not a... uh, Not a real scientific guy, but I do understand some basic things about trees. They need sun and they need water, right? Think about this. If you cut a branch off and just go lay it in the middle of the yard, does it still get water? I mean, if it rains, it still gets water. It still gets sunlight. So there's something else that it requires to live because sunlight and water alone are not enough. So, I mean, again, this isn't science, but I understand some basic. If it just needed those two elements to survive, the tree would just lay out there and keep budding out and keep leaves. And if it had flowers on it, they'd keep budding. But yet I've separated it from its source. Because, see, there were things that were good for the tree, but it wasn't the source of the tree. So, you know, I mean, kind of put it in, you know, tying these things. Church is necessary. It's good for us. But separated from the life of God and a personal connection with God, church still leaves you dead. And a lot of people go to church and they live a life that is spiritually dead because they've disconnected from the real source. You're like, oh, I just thought if I went to church, God would move in my life. Um, You've connected from the vine and now you can't be fruitful because you've disconnected from the source that was bringing you the life. Now, do trees need water? Yes. Yes. 
Do we need church? Yes, we do. Does a tree need sunlight? Absolutely. Do we need fellowship with other believers? Yes. But we can go to a great church and have great fellowship and still be spiritually dead. Because the source there's no connection to. And that's the root of what we're talking about. We're like these spiritually dry areas. We can, you know, and look, and I've been guilty of this. And the Lord's had to help me and it still helps me with this. Is I can be so busy with the work of the ministry. Doing things for God. That I forget about God. <laughs> and he has to nudge me and remind me and say, hey, remember why you're doing all this. Well, of course I do. Why do you think I'm doing it? No, I'm doing all of it because he changed my life. Because I encountered the presence of God in a real personal way. And out of that, all these other things are taking place. See, a tree requires sap. So yes, it's the root system. But ultimately, sap flows from the roots. And the sap, which is nourishment, flows up through the trunk and goes out all the way out to the tips of the branches. It's the sap that actually provides the source and the life of that tree. Sunlight and water alone aren't enough. A tree can survive without water for a time. As long as the sap is healthy. If it has, let me say it this way. If the sap becomes toxic in a tree, you got to fix the sap. you got to buy it because that's the nourishment that's the real lifeblood of that tree. In a sense, it's, it's like a tree's version of our blood. It, that's, you know, I mean, the life is in that sap. So it pulls the nutrients all the way through the soil, all the way up, all the way out to the branch. And so the roots, and, and really the roots are just part of the system, but it's the sap that supports the life of the branch. And the same is true with us spiritually. We've got to have that connection personally with Jesus. Why? Because He's the source. Of life. And we've got to have the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life to bring about what God wants to do. See, God's never intended for us to make life work through our own effort. It was never God's design. He created us to be dependent 100% upon Him. I mean, think about the Bible says that when God would come and visit Adam and Eve, He didn't come in the hottest part of the day. So he came during the cool part of the day and they would enjoy and walk together and talk. And that's when God, God even, even the time that God chose to spend with them was refreshing. He didn't say, well, let me pick the most miserable time of the day and let me show up then. Come on, let's go. No, he showed up when there was a nice breeze and it was, there was this coolness in the garden. He said, hey, let's go for a walk. Let's talk. Even the timing that God chose. And so, you know, even for us is that if we're not careful, we will try to be doing and we will try to produce life, if you will, from our own efforts. But God intimately wants to be involved in our day-to-day life. He doesn't want to be an accessory. He wants to be a part of our life. He is the source of all of our true life. And so it's important that we understand this and not just understand it because I believe... I believe all of you probably understand this looking around the room. You, you understand the principle of what I'm talking about. It's not the principle that people don't know. It's the application of the principle that makes all the difference in the world. 
Because you can intellectually understand and be like, I should spend time with Jesus. I get it. Can we go ahead and like just say amen and be done? I, I get it. I'm supposed to be spending time with Jesus. It's the application of understanding that like there's real, there's something real here. The real source of my strength, the real source of my joy, the real source of my peace, the real uh, source of my passion and my desire. And even, you know, what I want to do, it comes from my connection with him. And, I need, and, and there's times that I need the Holy Spirit to come back in because either I've lost sight of that or I've just allowed circumstances, situations, schedule, whatever it might be to get in the way of those things. And it's making a priority and just saying, you know, I mean, I forget who it is. I don't know. Some smart old dead preacher probably. He said, have an appointment with God and keep it. Make an appointment with God and keep it. You know, I mean, I'm kind of a stickler on that. If I make, if I tell you I'm going to be somewhere, I'm going to be there. And I, I mean, it's going to have to really be something bad for me to say, hey, I can't make it. I mean, I gave you my word I was going to be there, I'm going to be there. I told you I would, I will. You know, it's just, I just think that's the right thing. Well, what about with God? And yet, so many days, it's like, well, that's optional. Well, I didn't get to it today. Yeah, but you're missing out on, on that nourishment that you needed for that day. And so when I don't spend time with the Lord, what I'm saying is, I'm good. I'm good today. I've got this. I can handle this today. Here's the problem with that mentality. You don't know what today has to offer. Or what today might bring. And yet if you would have taken a few moments to connect with God... I mean, I'm not a big morning person. So, I mean, you know, this steps on my own toes if that's possible. But spending just a few moments, Holy Spirit, I need you today. I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need your life. Lord, I'm tired and I just woke up. I need some strength. I mean, you know, Lord, would you strengthen me this morning so that I can do what I need to do? So that I'm not frazzled before I see the first person. Like, Lord, I didn't even brush my teeth and I'm already stressed out. Like, I'm already overwhelmed. But Lord, I need you right now. Would you, would you breathe in my, on my heart, Holy Spirit? I'm going to go sit down for just a moment. I only got five minutes, but that's enough. You don't need forever. I just need a moment with you. I just need that connection with you, that, that vital connection, that real life connection with you. You know, I'll kind of give you a, a mental picture of what I believe this can look like. When we're living life without the fresh breath of God, it's like us trying to get on a large sailboat and start blowing into the sail, going, I'm on a boat, the sail's up, everything's where it's supposed to be. Why can I not move? Because you're trying to put enough air in a big old sail that you don't have the ability or the potential to put enough air in to create movement. That's life. That's life for us. We don't have enough breath in us to create real movement. That's why we need the help of God. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to blow. Why? So that that sail can catch fullness. 
so that it can create movement. And here's the greatest work about it. I mean, you know, I mean, how many of you ever taken like one of those stupid blow up things? You know, like a blow up mat or a donut or what? And you blow so hard and you're just like, they make those things so stupid hard to blow up. And you get lightheaded because you're blowing so hard. And it's like, this is so dumb. And it's just this little thing, you know. It's exhausting. The best thing when we're willing to allow the Holy Spirit to breathe into our hearts, into our life. He does all the work. I'm just along for the ride. That doesn't mean I don't have responsibility. Sure I do. My responsibility is to say, Holy Spirit, breathe. And I've got my sail up and it's ready to catch the wind. That's my responsibility. I've carved out some time here. My cell is up. It's open. It's ready. Now I just need you to breathe upon it. That's his responsibility. Now I get to enjoy the ride. Without all the effort. Without all the work. Without all the, the frustration. The last verse I have for you. is It says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. He says, don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. He says, but instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It goes on, verse 19, says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. Make music to the Lord in your hearts. You know, some days the song's just in your heart. Sing the song. You know, I mean, it may just be a worship song, maybe a praise song. I mean, you want to, I mean, I'll just give you a little tip here. This is a freebie. I won't even charge you for it. You want to know how you deal with depressing thoughts? Go get you a good, high, up-tempo praise song. And just put it on. Put it on repeat. Get a couple of them. I'm going to praise myself out of this down spot. I mean, there's multiple examples throughout Scripture. Jehoshaphat, give me the singers, give me the band, put them out front. (laughs) Get the warriors, get them off the front line. We don't need them up there. It's not what God said. No, even for us, is it exactly what it says? We're making music to the Lord in our hearts. He says, give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, look, don't be drunk with wine. That'll ruin you. He says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me say this again, or say it another way. He says, be filled with the breath of fresh air. Be filled with the breath of fresh air. The Holy Spirit will bring fresh air into our hearts, into our lives, when we allow Him to. But just as I gave you the example a moment ago, think of a big sailboat. I don't know how many of you have ever been on a sailboat, seen a sailboat. Surely you've seen one on TV at least. They don't go anywhere if the sail's not up. God will not put our sail up for us. We have to put the sail up. But then we ask Him, Holy Spirit, breathe. Breathe that breath of life for me. Because you don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to stay in a rut. You don't have to stay in a place of spiritual staleness. Refreshing. Refreshing. Making fresh again. That's what that word re means. (laughs) Like refresh, make fresh again. Bring freshness back to my stale chips. <laughs> Revive my chips. Breathe, breathe fresh life back into these things. 
Sometimes we need to say that about ourselves. Lord, I need you to, to refresh my heart, refresh my spirit. I mean, David said it this way, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. What's he saying? Lord, breathe on my heart. I was happy and now I'm not. Something is wrong. So, and now I understand this. Psalms 51, he done killed a man and committed a, I get it. But even after that, he still had enough sense to say, God, breathe on me. I mean, he was having more than a bad day. He had a whole series of really dumb decisions. He said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Breathe on my heart. Let me sense and, and refresh my soul. Refresh my spirit, man. And from time to time, we all have to do this. And if you don't, your staleness will eventually lead you to walking away from the Lord. Right. Not because some great sin, not because, just because it got stale, it got routine. There was no life in it any longer. And we have to fight that. The enemy will lull us to sleep, if possible. And it's one of the tactics of the enemy. Just lull you to a passionless existence with the Lord. That's not the life that Jesus died for us to have. He died so that we could be full of life, full of an abundant life that is full of his goodness, full of, full of his power. But it, it requires this connection with the Holy Spirit, this, him breathing in our hearts, breathing in our lives on a consistent basis. You can't live on last week's manna. What was good and what was a good touch, you know, I mean, when I got saved, I was 16 years old. The touch of God for me at 16 is not the same touch of God I need at 37. Just ain't going to work. I need something for right now. And here's the good news. God gives us daily bread. He will give us that fresh breath every time we need it. We just got to set the sail. And when we set the sail, he will fill it with his breath. Amen.